Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I'm back with Paul Wallace from Supercars of London after what we'll call a short break. A short break? (laughs) Two weeks. Which infuriated people. I didn't realise how upset people were going to be that we skipped a race. I know, that's slacking on our part. Should have thought about it. We should have. If you're new to the After the Checker Flag series. Essentially, after each race this year, the 2021 Formula One season, Paul Wallace and I, and potentially an additional guest, which hasn't happened yet, but might happen in the future, uh, sit down and, and review the Grand Prix that's just been before. However, last week was the Portuguese Grand Prix, and fundamentally it was so boring, <laughs> we didn't think we had anything to say about it. <laughs> well, I rewatched the highlights on YouTube just to refresh my memory, and it sounded quite exciting. Yeah. <laughs> From the seven minutes of a YouTube video. If you compact it into seven minutes, suddenly it's really, really good. But it was a bank holiday weekend, our timing was tight anyway, and we thought, you know what, Let's. there's a better idea is to compile both the Portuguese Grand Prix and the Spanish Grand Prix into one blockbuster episode, because let's face it, the Spanish Grand Prix is usually very boring, so two boring races <laughs> might make a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And it's also quite rare in a season that we get back-to-back double headers over two weekends. Exactly. So so anyway, that was our thinking. We apologise to all the people who did not accept that line of thought and still wanted an episode. <laughs> there were lots of you made your voices very clear. But you know what? I'm actually so pleased that people were upset. It means we're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of there, sat there, obviously had my own plans <laughs> and uh, wasn't where I was normally. And uh, you were messaging me saying, oh, I think we made a mistake here. <laughs> and that was actually quite exciting and motivating to be like, right, next podcast, after the Spanish Grand Prix, we're going to smash this. And I feel like we were more prepared to watch the Spanish Grand Prix because our WhatsApp communications had leveled up so that we could even create predictions. This is exactly <laughs> it. We are we are leveling up the After the Checkered Flag series in general. And also, we did take back take on your feedback from uh, the Imola Grand Prix, which we tried to do over Zoom. Oh, uh, that was a disaster. Disaster. But we, ha- we are improving, slash have improved our, our, what would you call it, virtual podcasting abilities? So that in the future, because it is bound to happen as the world starts to open up, we will have differing, differing plans. We will sometimes have to do these these podcasts virtually. Oh no, I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit. You're going to be here every Monday. You're going to be in the studio. Maybe not Monday, but I will commit to always being here because that virtual one was a, was a bit of a disaster. disaster. Mm. I just didn't feel comfortable in my own kitchen doing a podcast. Really? Didn't feel professional. Oh, fair enough. Well, I'm here to do a job now. You are here in the sim racing corner of the STG HQ and you've just set a laptop on my new STG hot lap challenge. I know. I could feel like I'm now ready to analyze any motorsport (laughs) hero 
or experienced racing driver <laughs> ever because I've done 10 laps on there. Well, there you go. So this is the new thing. I've got the SL Sim Racing rig, the Fanatec wheel and, and pedals, and we're running on a Seto Corsa with a 458 GT3 car around Silverstone. And Paul just slotted into P2 <sighs> on the Hot Lap Challenge. Just uh, like Verstappen. As long, yeah, just like Verstappen. <laughs> anyway, enough catching up. Let's get into it because we've got two Grand Prix to get through. Well, the first one's going to be quite quick. Very quick. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> interestingly, because some people were quite vocal about the fact we'd missed it, uh, I have a comment that I want to use to basically talk about okay. the Portuguese Grand Prix. So, JerryB92 on Instagram. Jerry, thank you so much for pointing out all the things that we could have talked about if we'd done an episode last week. I'm going to use your comment to pick up on what really were the only interesting points. Okay. So, let's kick it off. Uh, Hamilton fell back, obviously, yeah. through, through the order off, off the start line and then made his way back through to first. Mm-hmm. Well done him. Classic. Classic. Great. Strong performance. Uh, Merck performing better than Red Bull on the hards. I think we're starting to see, and we're going to speak about it more in the Spanish Grand Prix section, Merck had definitely or have addressed, seemed to have addressed quite a few of those early season issues. And there's an air of dominance starting to creep through, it's at least almost, from a Hamilton side. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost as though... From pre-season testing up until those first couple of races, they were like, oh, we can give them a little bit of hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. try and make it exciting. And I know Lewis and Max are sitting there trying to come down after what was an amazing battle going, oh my God, this is insane. And then here we are going, oh, well, maybe they just sandbagged a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got so much to talk about on this whole Max versus Lewis battle. But I do think there is, there is at least signs that Mercedes are starting to find their... You know, well, you know the performance that we've all known them to have over the years, uh, and definitely a bit of an advantage over Red Bull. But yes, Portugal was the first hint, and on race pace, Merck had a sort of you know a level up opportunity. Um, Perez having a solid weekend. He did have a solid weekend in Portugal. Um, in terms of leveling up his meme. Yeah, <laughs> skills. <laughs> he is those becoming, fifty-three laps on the. Uh, yeah, mediums exactly. Are hard, uh, mediums. It must have been immediate. Yeah. He was just an absolute machine at saving saving uh, rubber. Um, but yet, Perez. I want to flesh out our conversation about Perez when we again come on to Spain. He is starting to do a solid job, but I wouldn't say an impressive mm. job. But I think we were expecting more from him yeah. at this point of the season. Maybe a little bit too much. We keep giving Ricardo the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. keep trying to give Vettel some kind of something. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we should give it to Perez, but you're right. I think our expectations were very high and he's just, he's, I think he's performing at a solid-ish level, but not a very competitive level. Yeah. So again, we're going to- we're going nicely analyze. into the Red Bull number two car. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much that. So he did have a solid weekend in Portugal as he did in Spain. Uh, Alpine having a solid weekend. Alpine, I, I need to put a big question mark about. Um, solid- Depending on what your ambitions are, Jerry, that's the point. So they did, you know, Portugal was good for them. I thought they had decent pace over the last two weeks. They have, but I don't think they're delivering on what their qualifying pace suggests, or at least the pace from last year suggested. Mm. They are there or thereabouts, I would say, at the back end of the midfield. Alonso, still struggling. I agree. Fine, he's, you know, come back, he's got a lot to learn. Yeah, Ocon, we don't like him, so it's fine. No, we don't like him, so we can slag him <laughs> off. Uh, Ocon starting to deliver some strong yeah, qualifying yeah. results, but tends to go backwards in the race. And if I, I mean, if I was Danny Rick right now, I'd be going, thank God I got out of there. And if I was Jimmy Alfonso, the, you know, Dick Dastardly character from Spain, I'd be like, well, why did we come back? Like, <laughs> so, you know, Alpine, a lot of question marks. Lando continued to shine in Portugal. Yes, he did. A very strong opening three races from Lando Norris, but something I want to pick up on that DC was saying about Lando 
in the podcast that he does with Steve Jones. Um, the continuing fall of Bottas. This is going to be a theme of our season. It's going to be race after race. Oh, and Mick Schumacher overtaking Latifi. Can we just touch on, because we're going to come onto it very quickly when we do the Spain rundown, the rise oh. of Mick Schumacher. Oh, I hope this is not oh. premature. Oh. It's so premature. I'm on a weird hype train that's going absolutely nowhere. Just like Ferrari. No, well, shut up. Leclerc's just, I mean- I know, I'm going to talk about We Leclerc are sky high with our Ferrari Leclerc hype train. So, you know- Jerry, you made some good points, but those were the points. He missed out Raikkonen crashing into his teammate on a straight. Yeah, that was was a bit of a disaster. I I think he just told his family, look, I'm going to be here for Sunday lunch. I'm just going to crash out. If you fancy it, put a bet on. <laughs> like, we can, At least we can make some money. Yeah. I was not feeling this one. I, I don't ju- like this track. I, I genuinely felt like he was like, I can't be bothered. But, okay, this sounds so awful. I lo- we all love Kimmy, right? Of course. And I don't want him to go anywhere. But it was the kind of accident that you know, your mum or dad might have as they're like leaving Tesco's car park and they don't notice the bollard. And they just go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they go oh, yeah. where did that come from? He was literally like, he was just driving along like, oh, I got a bit of a little. Oh, yeah. oh no. Oh, okay. Like, I was just like one of those amazingly awkward, slightly elderly person accidents. Um, but to give him credit, I mean, if people don't know, which I think everyone does who listens to this podcast, Formula One drivers cannot see their front wing. Yeah. And whilst you would expect the most experienced man on the grid to kind of roughly know where his front wing is, you know, I, I guess it's an easy mistake to make. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Jerry, you missed something. But there we go. We've just summed up pretty much the entire race in five five or six minutes. So yeah. there wasn't much to flesh out. So let's- let, Good to get that out of the way. Good to get that out of the way. Let's get on to the Spanish Grand Prix because I genuinely thought, I was like, oh, we're going to do a double header Grand Prix podcast. There's still going to be nothing to talk about. But out of nowhere- Spain delivered kind of a strategic thriller. Yeah, I know. I was texting you, obviously, before the race going, why do they race in the hot European countries where, okay, the tracks are exciting. If you go on an onboard through Portugal, the undulations and blind corners are amazing. But Catalonia, it's like every year, it's kind of like, oh, it's the one before Monaco. We know that Monaco is going to be a procession race. More often than not, so Spain. And I was hoping that my negative energy in, in our WhatsApp was going to create an exciting race. And I feel like it did. You know what? It did. I was leading into it like the whole thing. My sister came over to watch it with us and I was just like, this is this is not going to be an exciting race. Like we're all building like, oh yeah, let's spend the day together and sit in the, <laughs> sit in the balcony and watch Formula One. Like, great. And uh, it just, just was, you know, it... it, it it was a strategic thriller. It wasn't uh, one of those races where you're sitting there screaming at the TV. No, but you could almost see the jigsaw puzzles being put into place as everything was unfolding. It was quite nice. We had a lot of conversations and with Tony as well, um, talking about what our predictions were as lap by lap. Tony annoyed me so much. Why? We will we'll get into when we get because he's got zero knowledge of exactly. Formula One. This, he's, okay, he's watched one episode yes. of Drive to Survive and he's like, he's Ocon yeah. is P two <laughs> because of the chats that I have with him, and I think he, he's into the sport. But hundred you know, percent. But classic Tony, he goes so ham, as in like he just will not disagree with any, like anything that he thinks. Yeah, how much could I take this happen? Yeah, it's like. Yeah, but no, 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 how much, like, you want to bet? I was like, I don't, anyway, what up? <laughs> you want to bet? 
That's a good uh, doctor Paul. I don't that's bet. That's his favourite thing at the moment. It's so aggressive. He's just aggressive. trying to extract as much money out of us as possible. Clearly the dealership is. You know. Anyway, let's not go So, yeah, if this is your first time listening to one of our After the Checker Flag episodes, essentially what we do is we get the finishing order and we race, uh, we race, <laughs> we run through the finishing order in reverse order. So from who finished last to who won the race. Basically kind of talking our impressions of their race, their race weekend, any kind of key moments. Um, should we bring up before we do that our predictions for the race or should we do that at the end? Before. Before. Okay, so yes. Basically going into what we thought was going to be this very boring Grand Prix, uh, Paul and I were texting and and sort of kind of making very vague predictions for what we, we thought. I think we thought we knew the sport so well <laughs> that if it was going to be a boring and predictable race that we would get it right. Yeah. And I genuinely sent that message going, oh, I'll hit this nail on the head here. So I said, no safety car. Of course, I was wrong yeah. immediately. Top three finishers they start. Hello. <laughs> 19 winners finish the race. Hello. Whoa. Latifi retires. Didn't. Yeah. Go Latifi. I know. He what? had a successful race. And so yours was top three, Lewis Bottas for Stappen. Don't know where you got that confidence in Bottas. <laughs> uh, I just kind of love the underdog sometimes. One Haas car retires. That's because you're just on the Mazepin hate train. Well, I just saw it coming. Yeah, but, potentially. I mean, yeah. Science retires. Don't know where you got that from. I know. I just felt yeah. like it's a Spanish Grand Prix. I felt like I, I kind of saw the future of Signs doing a post-race interview really upset. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. My first race in a Ferrari in Spain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you said Sonoda to crash. Yeah. Now, we actually are going to kick things off with Sonoda. Mm. And I wasn't surprised by that prediction. Unfortunately, of course, he had his DNF. Mm. But he had a bit of a turbulent weekend. Did you pick up on his post-qualifying chat? I only saw what he said, what he came out and said, because it then spurred me to go back in and see. So he basically, was he, was he like blaming he every, was doing, everyone but himself? Yeah, he yeah. was doing the classic, I'm pretty sure we don't have equal equipment. Gasly's car is definitely yes, better than mine, yeah, yeah. hence why I'm slower. Yeah. Let's not forget that Gasly is a race winner who's been in the sport for three, four years, drove for Red Bull. And is bloody fast. And you're a rookie. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> now... It's a weird one. We we were very much on the sort of Sonoda excitement train. Maybe not the hype train, but the excitement train. But the start oh, of the no, season. Oh, no, it was a full-on hype train. Oh, it was a full-on hype yeah, train. Yeah, yeah. 100 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this kid turns up, full of personality, full of character, driving the car like he's holding on for his dear life and setting unbelievable lap times, in testing and at Bahrain, he was quick. And then it all seemed to sort of spill out of control from, was it Q3 in Bahrain or Q2? When did he, when did it go? Something. Q, I think Q1 he, in Bahrain, he was incredibly fast. That's it. And then I did think he drop must, it in Q2 or something. Something yeah, happened. And yeah. since then his confidence just seems to have gone somewhere. And he's, I think potentially as an outsider, it looks like he's overdriving the car. Obviously not really for me to say, but, but it does, you know, he did, does give that idea. And he's had the accident in Miller. He's had a few sort of, you know, off weekends. He's, Seems to be off the pace of Gasly now, where in testing he seemed to be right there. And he's now getting a little, comes across as petulant, I think, mm. in his comments about him. He had to come out and issue an, an apology yeah, yeah, yeah. after qualifying. Because yeah, as I say, he was saying, oh, I'm not sure we've got equal equipment. I don't think I'm being looked after. And he had come, come back and do a post, I think, on Twitter it's or Instagram. It's outrageous to say, and race four in your rookie season. It's like, come on, mate. It's, Have a bit more respect for the your teammate and the team. And the position that you're in as well. You're coming in. This is now your fourth race weekend. It's not really going your way. And to be throwing your toys out of the pram in that manner, so publicly, within the F1 circus, it's, it's kind of put me off him a little bit. 
I still feel like there are some sparks and at some point he will come into his own and he will sit into that car and drive it exactly how he wants to and how the car wants to be driven. But at the moment, I think he's going about it the wrong way. Yes. And well, I say yes. I actually still quite like it though. Because if you think through a Hamilton, a Verstappen, a mm, Vettel at his peak, yeah. any of these drivers, Alonso, they are rude and they are outspoken and they do say crazy things in the heat of the moment. And they often tend to be the most exciting yeah. races because they're just like, you know, the blood is but flowing. They're and the win They're like natural born winners. And if, it's, and if they're not winning, they'll find any reason and be super heated about it because all they want to do is win. And they don't understand why they're not winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, good on you for staying true to this kind of character that we were excited to see and this yeah. outspoken look at it. But at the same time, chill out, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, because Gasly is legit. We all think he's legit at least. And, you know, you, you look a bit silly saying something like that early on. But I'm just kind of hoping he manages just to claw, cool it off a little bit and get back to that really exciting, what seemed like, um, what's it called? Uh, when you don't think about things too much, it's just uh, natural. 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 I, know, I know what you're kind of thinking, but I can't think of... I mean, he, <laughs> too need, early he, on a Monday he morning. needs to dial it back before Monaco. Oh my God, that's my a big My number crash. one prediction is a massive <laughs> crash. a big, big crash, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, unfortunately, DNF, we didn't get to see if he was going to make his way uh, through the field or not. That that Alpha Tauri, I still think is under-delivering on mm. potentially the preseason potential, but maybe we just all got a bit overexcited in preseason. Yeah, and I think all of the other manufacturers that are, are now finishing above them Maybe just kind of soon be like, yeah, you take all of the, yeah. you take all of the fun. attention. Yeah, you go and have fun. You sit at the top yeah. of the of the timings scoreboards. Scoreboards. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on. P nineteen. Uh, Nikita Mazepin. Um, cool. So uh, <laughs> the thing is, I have nothing to say about this guy. He just continues to be complete I just liability. Would, I would love to know what goes on inside that helmet. What does he think of himself? Firstly. I, it's a good question, actually. Is he not fu Is he not embarrassed and fuming? I, I personally don't think so. You don't think he cares? I also don't want a red dot on my forehead with what I'm about to say, but I think the way, the life that he's obviously been- There's a red dot on your- <laughs> the, the life that he's been brought up in, and I think the culture of what he's been brought up in as well, I think he, I think he walks into that weekend thinking he is the best human, not necessarily the mm. fastest racer, but the, a more superior human to than anyone else there. And let's just remind people that don't know, his dad does essentially own that team now, mm. very covertly, or he owns enough of that team that Mazepin is going nowhere. I think a lot of people calling saying, you know, it's dangerous and, and uh, you know, he's a liability and he's going to cause a big accident. He shouldn't be on the grid. He's going nowhere. Yeah. Um, one thing which we did get this race weekend around Mazepin, which was a really cool feature, I thought, was team to FIA radio. Yeah. yeah. A new thing for us, you know, of course. How do they whip that out in race four? Out of way. nowhere, not, not even announcing that it's going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. And also like great moments to do it. So <laughs> if you didn't see the full race, if you only saw the highlights, I'm pretty sure they would have showed this anyway. But we've of course had pit to car radio between teams for years. Um, it now is sort of, you know, better and better, I would say in terms of the mm. juicy bits we get. Um, but new for this race and maybe for this season was 
yeah, team to FIA. So the race director, Michael Massey, um, has a sort of line of communication with the teams for anything, whatever it could be. He's got, you've got a penalty, you're going to have to put the, give the place back. Uh, we need to get the safety car to speed up, all these different ways. There's, there's a need for the race director to be able to speak with the teams. And the insight we got, which is amazing, is firstly, Toto Wolf calls him Mikey. That was my favorite. <laughs> Mikey, come on. Like, I was like, that's the best thing ever. Um, but was getting on the radio to the race director to say, Mazepin is costing us a position here. Like he's, and what I couldn't tell because the radio message is also a bit delayed. Was that before Lewis actually turned up at Mazepin or had Mazepin genuinely held up Lewis for a couple of corners and mm. Toto was raging? Yeah. But it was Toto on the blower. Blue flag. And it was like, give it, get this guy out of our way. And I can't wait to hear more of that because mm. I'm so intrigued to see is Christian Horner getting into my fancy a safety car? <laughs> like, you know, is that something? Uh, I think I've noticed some debris on turn four. We should <laughs> yeah. definitely do a virtual safety yeah. car right now. You can imagine it happening. Because, what is that chat? Yeah. yeah. So I hope we're going to get some more of that. But I well, think it, they're only allowed a certain amount of times during the race, and they like use it up. It's like you're allowed five communications. <laughs> no, with surely that would be. And dangerous. then it's like they're on their fourth go, being like, "Should we use it? Should yeah. we use it?" I'm pretty sure I saw a little bit of debris. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think the Red Bull wing is flexing. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, great insight. But I think it just shows that the that it's not just fans. The paddock themselves are clearly frustrated by Mazepin and worried and nervous. You know, when they get around him. Yeah, I think unfortunately we are going to see an accident at some point. Um, we saw it years ago, like Montoya in Brazil getting taken out by, was it Bernardi or someone in an arrows? Verstappen, maybe it was, it was Verstappen, surely. I've no I think idea was, you're talking. Okay, sorry. Slightly before my time. Uh, Montoya was coming through the field to overlap someone, got past him, and then the guy outbraked himself and plowed into Montoya and took him off when he was in the middle of the race. Yeah, it's a great moment. I kind of think that's going to happen. Okay, well, let's move on from the disaster that is Nikita. Uh, on to the rise of... <laughs> Mick Schumacher. <laughs> now, at the beginning of this season, our first pre-season episode of After the Checkered Flag, we said that all Mick had to do was just do laps. Just finish. Just finish. Just finish. Yeah. Just, that's all yeah. he's got to do is just keep his head down and finish. But the boy's doing even better than that. <laughs> now, I, I have- one, one position up than what we expected. Hey, that's good. <laughs> it's uh, improvement. It's yeah, improvement. I, I have said, I, I don't see personally yet- uh, the qualities in Mick that I see in a Norris, a Leclerc, even a Russell, like he hasn't had the opportunity maybe to show that. He didn't have the most compelling or, or sort of compounding Formula 2 season as champion, but he's here. And I think what's been very impressive is we all realise that Haas must be awful to drive, right? Mm. We've all accepted yeah. that. But he seems to have just taken his time, just literally, as, as we said, kept his head down and looked for very small improvements Whilst Mazbin, maybe you could argue, is trying to overdrive the car or is overwhelmed by the car, Mick has just, just sat there. And if he's five seconds off the pace per lap, great. But now he's four and a half seconds, then mm. he's three seconds. And he's just chipping away at it to the point where, obviously in Portugal, yes, he overtook Latifi on track. <laughs> what a moment. <laughs> Awful shocking moment for Latifi, but great <laughs> moment for Mitchell. And then he outqualifies him in Spain. Yeah, yeah. And off the start, you know he was a, like a mental starter in he, Formula 2. Didn't he go, he, he, I definitely saw him. Got up to 16th yeah, or 15th yeah, or something like that off yeah. the back of the back row. Yeah. So he was, it was famous that in Formula 2, he would launch it off the start mm. and always make up loads of places. And I saw that and I was like, Go on, Mick. I feel like he's biding his time and he's just, he's a sponge at the moment. Yeah. And that, I think, comes probably from his dad and what he's grown up watching with his dad. And I'm sure his dad would have passed that information down to be 
a level-headed racing driver that just adapts to the situation. He knows he's in a bad car, but he's not trying to overdrive it. He's not trying to do things that he doesn't necessarily need to do. And this is the making of, hopefully, what is going to be quite an exciting career to watch. Yeah, let's let's wait and see. He's obviously got all the backing of everyone ever, um, I think, to, <laughs> yeah. to succeed. Um, but, you know, he's, he's doing himself favours. He's got this sort of hilariously amazing relationship with Sebastian Vettel, which I kind of mm. love. They've just become like father and son bromance <laughs> from out of nowhere, um, which is great. And, and I say he's, he's allowed mistakes. He's not making many at the moment that he can't recover from mm. and he's just doing a good job. So yeah. good on him. And I think, you know, we've said it many times before, he's on track for that Alfa Romeo seat next year, 100%. Now moving on to Verstappen and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 because the midfield battle was actually really good. Midfield was kicking off. Yeah. Uh, in 17th though, and I was surprised that this is where he ended up, but not surprised because we don't like him. Uh, Fernando Alonso. Jimmy, really? Jimmy Alfonso, yeah, really lost out in those final few laps. I was going to say, because I was watching that battle, and I mean, he was going backwards. Yeah. Everyone was kind of driving around him on parts of the track that you'd never normally see overtakes. But 17. He stopped right at the end. I think he did an additional stop right at the end, uh, I think. So that's probably why. Going off the fastest lap, was it? No, not going, <laughs> definitely not going after. I, my assumption is here, based on Alonso's race pace of these first four races of the year, is he's really struggling to manage tyres. Mm. Because chatting to. Sam across the road, who's oh, these days my personal trainer. <laughs> oh, but also he's also he's trained Carlos Sainz and Daniel Ricciardo, and he's now doing all the Formula Two drivers that, that matter. Is this uh, your rise into motorsport? By yes, the way? basically. Yeah. Yes, okay, uh, preparing my neck for uh, no. Um, but but he was saying that it, it is now so tire dominated the sport, mm. and and a lot of the drivers are sort of shocked by just how much tire management really has to go on. And that is the formula, which we all know, but. Alonso, I think, has come back and he's been surprised by how much Pirelli... He, just like he can just drive flat out. Yeah, I just think he's really struggling yeah. to, to get on top of that time imagine because unfortunately he does just go backwards in races. Um, and if I was him, I'd be disappointed. I'd, be, I'd actually be depressed. Yeah. Uh, it's not going good for him. And he just looked at his bank account. Well, he just looked at his bank account. <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. Um, well, you know, to really compound his misery, he was beaten in the race by Latifi. Uh, the, the man that we never usually notice in races, as you say, flying up the grid, flying up the grid. He's had some better qualifying mm, positions, mm. hasn't he? He's done. He's done all right. Yeah. A few Q ones and Q twos and bits and bobs. Bit but a, bit of a bit of a grid filler. Bit of a grid filler. Yeah. We don't often recognise or notice when he retires, but this time he didn't apparently, and he finished sixteenth. So fair play, fair play. Yeah. Um, ahead of him, Giovinazzi, who you know, whenever we kind of knock Giovinazzi, I get a few comments from the maybe the Italians or the fanboys <laughs> being like, he's actually putting in some solid results. I don't think he is. Maybe he is, but I never see a moment where I think, wow, he's yeah. like, we're talking about Mick Schumacher mm. overtaking Latifi, like what yeah. a big deal. Well, Giovinazzi is always there or thereabouts with Raikkonen and fundamentally he should be dominating. I was going to say that's where he needs to be, but I was just going back to maybe where your audience has come from that you owned an Alfa Romeo 4C. So it might be an Italian audience. It might also be Alfa Romeo fanboys. Who are shocked that I'm saying anything negative yeah. about a, I an mean, Italian we are driver. Saying, we are saying the car looks great. It's beautiful. That's and all Alfa Romeo's are. We do not wait for those slow-mo shots as they come around the corner and the sun bounces off that dark yeah. red paint. Uh, but I don't actually notice who's driving. Kimi Raikkonen always seems to be the one that, that, that does get the airplay on the TV. It's very rare that you see a Giovinazzi battle. Kimi Raikkonen is normally there getting his elbows out or going backwards, but I think Giovinazzi kind of falls short of most TV coverage. Therefore, at the end of the race, you go, oh, he finished there. Oh, yeah, he's there. <laughs> I, in, in honour of Tony's mental 
I don't know what, just honour of Tony. <laughs> I'm actually willing to put a financial bet on the chance that Schumacher will swap out for Giovinazzi before the end of the year. You want to have a financial bet with me or with Tony? No, and when I say financial bet, I'm talking like 25p. <laughs> I really don't like betting money. <laughs> I've actually got an idea that I'm going to introduce at the end okay. of the podcast. I, I just foresee towards the end of the yeah. year, there might be a like, let's get him in this alpha mm. seat for the last couple of races or something. I, I just see that if that he, if, if, if Schumacher just keeps doing this, just little steps, mm-hmm. two steps forward, one step back, he might get there. There's yeah. no reason why he shouldn't. Good point. Uh, 14th, George Russell. I yeah. think in Spain, he did have a good weekend. Yeah. You know, there was a couple of times, I mean, his qualifying was impressive. He was running in the points of first time because of strategy, held his own. I think towards the end, he... 14th, you know, that's probably a realistic position for him. Like, it's pretty good for Williams. I think they'd have been happy with that a few years ago. So he was doing all right. We saw we saw him getting to race with a few people, did some nice overtakes, but fundamentally the pace is still not there. But he he again after the disaster that was Imola, he's just he's being able to slowly plod along and and get some respect back. I think so. So good on good on George Russell. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. P13, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, it was P12 Stroll as well. Can we just group? No. Oh. No. Stroll was actually P11. Oh, still not in the points. Still not in the points. But, but as, a, as, a, as a collective, the Aston Martin car is just... It's just not working yeah, out, is it? Yeah. I mean, they must be really stressing. And if I was Aston, at this point, I'd go, right, throw it in the bin, 2022. Yeah. Because of this huge rule change. Yeah. Let's let's Considering be... where they were last season and the season mm-hmm. before, it's almost like... Well, I just don't think they're going to be able to get back. They're no. not a team. They haven't got, even though with this new investment, they haven't got the resource to start competing with Ferrari, McLaren, Alpine, who are going to be chucking money at yeah. this season. Mm. Whilst you could think Aston are going to kind of be there or thereabouts with Alpha Tauri in the championship. So I, I, if I were them, I'd be like, right, come on, guys, let's let's put all our effort in getting back to the top four yeah. for next year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Seb, unfortunately, 
It was a solid weekend, but but an unspectacular weekend. So you I know. think that I think that's it. And every time that I I think Stroll, I saw one overtake where Stroll tried to defend the position down the mm. home start finish rate, and then it just kind of I think that was the only action that I saw from Stroll in most of it. Yeah, well, he only got pushed wide and he get pushed yeah. off the track. And, Everything and kind of happened it. just in front of them. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it, he was trying his best, and and you know I'm I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking that. Lance is doing yeah. a good job. Like in a car that's not that quick, he's kind of showing Vettel how yeah. to go, and and he's trying his damn best. Like yeah. he, he comes across like a bit of a team player. Like he's really, really trying to get those points, and he's the car's just not got the pace. Mm. So um, yeah. and that shows up around somewhere like Barcelona. So you know, I think we all want to see, or at least us Brits want to see Aston Martin as a brand do oh, well. Of course. We've all spoken about how we want Vettel to have a resurgence but I think unfortunately that this year it's, it's just not their year and they're going to yeah. just flow around still quite like the DBX adverts though in the Sky Sports <laughs> coverage <laughs> so philosophical um, Kimi Raikkonen wedged in between the two Astons I mean that's uh, a solid result a solid result 12 but I mean that's the thing Kimi just keeps banging in the yeah, solid yeah he's just a legend isn't he he's just there I think he's having a good time when he can be bothered I mean it's just <laughs> yeah. uh, you can't not love Kimmy, but that yeah, that was outside the point. So Stroll, Raikkonen, and Vettel, and there was a good fight there. It was it at, was. at one point. You know that whole gaggle of cars. There was like was four or five cars going at one into, point. Yeah, mad, going right? into corners, and I think they needed to show that a little bit more on the TV. But at the same time, we had Lewis catching up with Max. So. Yes. <laughs> got to get onto that. Uh, P10, Pierre Gasly, go on, Pierre. Yeah, I mean, the Avatar didn't look strong this weekend, but oh, this last race, but he he, he smashed it. Comparative and- to his teammate. Did you see it was it was a drag race to the yeah, line with yeah. Ocon as well? Yeah. So he could have been in P9. Yeah, but we know how Gazzy does those drag races. Do you remember Brazil? Whoa. What a legend. <laughs> but he did that five second penalty as well. So even if he yeah, got the yeah, yeah, pass, yeah. it wouldn't really matter. Ah, we that. haven't talked about Jovanazzi's pit stop with the puncture. I mean, oh, yeah, that was that weird. Was so bizarre. Bringing out tires from the garage with a puncture. Yeah. Also, genius to notice. But yeah. I suppose you, you if you're would. lifting tires enough, you'd know, you'd know straight yeah. away that it's got a puncture, right? So weird. Weird moment. Yeah. But, um, I've never seen that before. No, an exciting moment for the Alfa Romeo because <laughs> they were on TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, now we start getting into the juicy bit. Uh, Ocon, P9, I would say disappointing mm. because he qualified in P5. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, the second good qualifying? Mm. Where was he in Portugal? He was somewhere up there, wasn't he? He was, was he was. No, no, no. He was up there in Portugal and then... Slips my mind, but... Uh, <laughs> probably went backwards. Yeah, well, this is the, uh, this is what I'm saying. The Alpine race pace just doesn't seem mm. to be there. Ocon is impressing in quali. Good on him. But the race pace is not there and they seem to struggle and they don't look racy on track. Mm. They just look like they're sort of holding people up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he he's doing a good job, but I, I still feel like if there was a Ricardo still next to him or something like that... He would look... He would look mediocre like mm. what could ricardo do if, if ocon's putting up p5 if ricardo had stayed where's he going to be yeah. putting it so um you know probably p5 <laughs> ocon would be p6 <laughs> interesting <laughs> um, uh so uh ahead of him lando norris yeah with potentially the quietest weekend lando's had over the season so far we kind of mentioned it in the in the notes about spain from jerry that you know first three portugal, races of the year portugal. sorry portugal thank you uh Lando was top five the first three races of the year. What do you mean? Didn't Lando finish top five first three races of the year? Oh, sorry, yeah. In, in the He came into Spain third in the World Championship. Was it third? Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, so he hasn't been messing around. Yeah. Um, but this was a quiet weekend. He was out-qualified by Danny Rick and, yeah. and probably out-raced by him as well. Yeah. The first weekend, I feel like we've seen Danny Rick really nail a race pace. 
the whole weekend, I think. I think I feel, for whatever reason, I just feel like it all kind of clicked. Maybe it's not Lando's track. We all, we all have them, don't I, we? I, have, I, mean, I, 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 I certainly do. <laughs> we all have them. <laughs> Pretty much all the tracks are, are my off tracks. <laughs> Not many are my good tracks. <laughs> Got to keep fighting. Santa Pod um, is my good track. Just that one straight line. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But yeah, encouraging from Danny Rick. I, I still feel in my heart of hearts that, firstly, we might not have seen the best of Danny Rick. But secondly, once he gets up and running in this McLaren, I think we're going to see some very exciting racing from him mm. because I think that car is fast, as Lando has proved. Spain didn't seem to be their track, but... Did you see Lewis in the post... Uh, pre-race, wasn't it? Was it? You got we, a quick we, rock. We, yeah, got, yeah, yeah, and he was like, I'm going to pull my finger out. They were having some banter about how long a season it was, and yeah. Danny was like, oh, I'll take a couple of wins, don't worry. Yeah. And yeah. Lewis was like, well, you, your car is quick. And I, I do think as much as Spain might not have been their race, and I think all of their sort of post-race communications suggested that they kind of knew that. They were all like, look, it might not look good, but we're actually super happy. Mm-hmm. I think they went into it knowing that, that that track didn't suit their car. Yeah. But I think that means that there will be some tracks that will suit their car, like Bahrain did or something like that, yeah. where, where they're not only going to be right up there for, you know, maybe even front row of the grid, but also some aggressive podium positions. And I think, as I say, once Danny Rick is really confident... I do expect him to be to be there or thereabouts, and Lando pushing him for. So I'm I'm excited. It was yeah. it was solid, nothing spectacular again, um, but good to see Danny Wick not necessarily. I think just we're going to be seeing him evolving into the honey badger very soon. The honey badger. Uh, he loves Monaco. He loves Monaco. Loves, loves Monaco. Monaco. And if he's just kind of got to grips with the car just yeah. before Monaco, that could be some yeah. very good timing. I feel like a lot of drivers don't like the Spanish Grand Prix. I feel like there's a lot of people that talk badly about the track. It's just boring, isn't it? It is a bit. It's technically interesting for mm. an aerodynamicist, but yeah, I don't like driving it. I've never driven it. <laughs> On a computer. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Paul, <laughs> duh, we're in Sim Corner at STGHQ. <laughs> uh, so top five, let's get into it. So Sergio Perez, and I hinted that I kind of want to talk about Sergio a little bit more uh, when we were reflecting on the dull Portuguese Grand Prix. This was a perfect race where Red Bull needed Sergio in that top mm. four and, and really in that top four, fighting with Bottas, harassing Hamilton and not allowing Mercedes to pull the strategic wonder card that they did. Yeah. And we keep saying it, you know, all these guys have moved teams, they need a little bit of time to get up and running, but he needs to get up and running sooner. Mm. And if you think about Albon when he made his switch from AlphaTauri. That first half of the year, he he was so good. He got yeah. very unlucky with some penalties, but his racecraft and his charges were super impressive. And Gasly was a bit more sporadic, you'd say. I think Perez is very solid. He's just knocking out the P4, P5s, but he's it, too it, far it, behind on track. I don't really have much to say. I was kind yeah. of just going to let the floor be yours to talk about Paris. <laughs> to rant. Because you're right, there are so many what-ifs yep. with Perez being a couple of places above. And we listened to Bottas post-race talk about, oh, when I was stuck behind Leclerc. Like, if he was stuck behind Perez, imagine what Red Bull could have done. Well, that's exactly it. It, it changes the whole dynamics of it, mm. doesn't it? And it, I say it doesn't allow... It doesn't allow Mercedes, Mercedes to be to, able to be strategically dominant. And I think dominant. that's why Red Bull have been so aggressive with their second driver of the years because they just need that. You know, Albon and Gasly, unfortunately, weren't able to just be there to do a Bottas. I'm the first person to slag off Bottas and say, get him out. But he's just always there. Mm. 
in yeah. that podium position. Yeah, he's the bringing home the points. He, he's the perfect number two driver. That's exactly it. Yeah, and so Sergio's got a little bit, I think, to do. I don't expect any pressure. I'm sure. I think. I think. I think he'll get there. I think he will come into his own. And I don't think Christian Horner or anyone from Red Bull is having these conversations to be like no. he needs to get up there, which they probably were with Gasly and Albon. I reckon they feel like just because of how young they are and inexperienced, they can play with them a little bit more. With Perez, how much experience he has in Formula One, I think they'll give him far more time in that car to get used to it. And even if he's not delivering the performance they need, I still think they'll give him the time. And he's delivering time management, as we know, from, you know, as you say, those <laughs> yeah, 53 yeah. laps or whatever he did. So it's there or thereabouts, but he finished 63 seconds off the yeah. lead. It's, it's too far. Yeah. So, so that he just needs to work on a bit. But I think fundamentally, he did some, did he do some exciting overtakes? Didn't he do, what was the wild, who did the round the outside? feel like it was Perez who I've, lunged was really Perez late on the break. Yeah, Perez really late on the breaks. That, yeah, was a, that was a yeah, pretty impressive That was a good move. P4. Oh, oh, oh. my God. As <laughs> the Ferrari hat sits in front of me. Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Is oh, we didn't talk about Carlos Sainz at all. Not much to say. No, Sorry, I he was, was gonna, in seventh. Yeah, Sorry, I was going to say, I was waiting for when you were apologies. talking. Apologies. Because he was further down than Leclerc. Yeah, sorry. P7, Carlos Sainz totally skipped that. Yeah. Which is fine. I nothing, think. nothing to say. Yeah. I'm afraid, but good on him. Yeah. Because yes, oh, <laughs> I mean the Ferrari's quick, so we. I can't now just literally say I was the greatest driver in the entire world. He's outperforming that car. Mm. He is outperforming yeah, the car, he, but the well, car is quick. Yeah, I would say at the moment they are solidly running probably the third fastest car over McLaren. I think McLaren and Ferrari are very even, but mm. different tracks suit the cars differently. And in Spain, at least, Ferrari seem to have the edge on McLaren. And Charles, just, yeah, I mean he's just doing what he needs to do. He's a G. I do think Carlos is pushing him and the team forward. I think having that competitive edge, because of course we had the Seb years, the dodgy Seb years, where there was a bit of, you know, it yeah. was unsettled, unhappiness, yeah, I just don't think friction, cared. Vettel yeah. didn't care. He was making mistakes. I think science now, with the way he works with the team, as we saw with McLaren, with how competitive he is on track, I think Leclerc's having to step up his game, which yeah, he's enjoying. He's and it is pushing all of Ferrari forward, which is, yeah. of course, what I, slash we all, let's be honest, <laughs> want to see. I so. really like seeing Leclerc up there. And obviously, yeah. like, I was really excited to see him overtake Bottas. <gasps> and kind of, so good! It was, it was Around cool. the outside. And, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Best driver ever. Um, well, you've lost my trail of thought now. Oh, it doesn't matter. I know. <laughs> I didn't particularly like when Charles Leclerc was very vocal and getting a lot of attention from the media, from the television. I kind of like- Back in the day. Just getting his head down and and doing what he does best. So was it 20, when did he win in Monza, 2019? I'm just not sure, like from a personality point of view, because we saw him get really upset in Monaco when he made that bad qualifying mm. and then he just tried to overdrive the car. You can see that he's a really hot-headed, passionate, but very, very fast driver. And I kind of like just seeing him getting his head down, Cracking knowing on. that there are people behind him that are in a quicker car and him delivering. So you basically, you don't like him as a person. <laughs> well, I won't say that until I meet him. I don't want to judge someone based on their interviews on TV. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, mean, I don't think I'm ever going to meet him. So no. that's fine. Oh, yeah. He's actually been a guest on Behind the Glass. Oh, I'll, I'll have you know. Yeah. So, yeah no, top oh, top Charles, great, great to Zoom. What did you think about that race weekend? I, I, mean, I do Zoom like him. interviews are just the worst. They are, they are. But no, I was really pleased to see where he finished. And yeah. I think that was a strong, strong performance from Ferrari. I think it's pretty, that Ferrari. Do you? Yeah, I like when I see angles of it. I'm like, it's a good looking car. Mm, but I think some of the older Ferraris were cooler. 
Fair darker point. reds. Oh, yeah, no, no. I was hoping for a darker red. Yeah, it's still a bit yeah, too light for yeah, my liking. And we were hoping for gloss. Yeah, we always were. hoping for gloss. I'm not a big fan of the satin <laughs> cars, um, especially the satin orange McLaren. Anyway, uh, so yeah, great to see. Solid point, solid result. Uh, you know, I think him and Norris potentially, but soon Danny Rick are going to be chasing Ch down Bottas. Chomping at the bit. I think uh, Bottas and Perez, I think, I think are in, in oh, for a bit, yeah, bit, of, bit of trouble. Perez definitely in a bit of trouble, mm. but Bottas even, because yes, in P3, 26 seconds off the lead. Bottas. Bottas. Now we Botty have... Botty Bottas. I don't know why I like saying Botty, but... Botty Bottas. Because of Drive to Survive when he got his bum out. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a weirdly burned into yeah. your brain somehow. Subconscious. So actually an interesting moment with Bottas this weekend, mm. because once again... Many, many interesting moments. Well, fundamentally, not uh, not a threat to the race no. victory in no. any shape or form. Uh you know, we saw him in Spain basically just getting out of the way. Mm. Oh, sorry, guys, I qualified on pole. <laughs> Oops. I was, I'll, just, I'll, clear, I'll get out of the way. Don't worry. Let, let me move on. <laughs> Whilst here he was in Spain, just fucking nowhere near yeah. them. I mean, just out of it. Until through comes Lewis on the alternate strategy and everyone's going, ha, God, how embarrassing. Bottas are going to move over. And it's like, down to me. Lewis is coming through. Get out of the way, you slow coach. <laughs> and he grew some balls. He grew some balls. And... Okay, give me your thoughts on this because I've then got a bit of a thought about this as well. So so were you expecting him to get out of the way? Did you think he really put up a fight? Do you think he just kind of made it look hard on TV? What did you think? I think he was making a point to the team. I think he was going to get out of the way. He knew that he wasn't fast. And I think, I think he thought, I'm just going to hold him up for like a second just to make a point to my team that I'm not the number two driver, and I don't want to be taking these team orders. But at the same time, I also respect that Lewis is faster and he is racing for P1. Um, so I think it was more of a, a protest than anything else. Sure, We've heard him in interviews talking quite a lot about how, as a team, they are equal drivers, and he doesn't like to be told as he's the number two driver, even though he definitely is One the number two driver. Is, yeah. um, but then I saw some comments on social media as I was kind of just trying to get an aftermath post-race reaction. And everyone was saying, but put George Russell in that Mercedes. Would he get out of the way? Would he just move over and let us go? I think George Russell would probably do something similar. Or would even George Russell be in that position where he had to move over in the first place? Well, that's, I mean, yes, because they won those alternating strategies. I think the point being, a bit like we saw with Rosberg, this is now year, what, four, five? Yeah. Mind games. Of Bottas having to get out of yeah. the way. I think this is what we're seeing is that Lewis over uh, multiple seasons, but obviously over one season, is just relentless. Mm. And if you're a competitive teammate, you can probably allow yourself to lose a season yeah. to him. You can lose victories to him, whatever it might be. But after this many years where you just cannot get close, the guy is just always beating you. I think it must start to play on your mind. And he was quite aggressive, Bottas, going into the race because yeah. people were asking about, do you think people might swap you out of your seat before the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. And he was pretty much like, middle finger, yeah. leave me the hell alone. So I think he was a bit riled up by that mm. anyway. He also I, believed that he could have got pole. Yes. Yeah. He talked about literally that one corner. But I always think with this, right? F1 drivers love saying, I could have been on pole. Yeah. Of course you could have been involved, but the, the other guy could have gone quicker as well. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You made a mistake, you made a mistake. So it is what it is. But I think with Bottas, my sneaking suspicion is maybe he's been told he's I think not he got contract for next I year. Think he, I, I think he knows. And that was why he was like, mm. well, 
why am I going to get out of the yeah, way? Yeah. Like, uh, firstly, if he's planning to stay in F1, by God, he needs some good results. Because yeah. if I was a team, I'd be like, not interested, mate. Yeah. Sorry, see you later. Yeah. Uh, and if you are coming to the end of your contract, why are you going to just bend over backwards yeah. for Lewis Hamilton? So there was definitely something in that. The point where it was weird was they were on such differing strategies and it made such little sense to try and have a fight mm. with Lewis. All you did was, you know, as you say, make a point to the team yeah. and to I think it was F1. A pro- I think it, it was, was a protest. It was a bit of a protest. Yeah. It was a bit like, I'm not up for this. Like, yeah. you can't use me like your, your toy. Yeah. So that was kind of impressive in some, I was like, good on you, mate. You grew some balls. You did something like, you, you stepped out of your character of like, because would George Russell have done it? I don't think any driver wants to let anyone go. Yeah. But there's certain times as a team, you recognize yeah, yeah. if I do this now, they owe me one and it's part of a team. Yeah. There's no point in, fi- in fighting this moment. So for me, it was a frustration. It was an acting out. It was a, and like we saw with Vettel in Drive to Survive towards the end of his contract, we're talking off track here. They're like, you got to toe the party line. We're not making jokes. We had a bad race. And he's like, don't yeah, care. Yeah, so yeah, I want. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and that's what I picked up on. I might be wrong, but I just got the hint. Bottas knows this is the end. And he's like, cool. Whatever. See you later, guys. I'm yeah. racing for myself. Yeah. Just not racing that well. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. First and second, once again, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> and Max Verstappen. You know, it is. It's the clash of... The David Titans. and Goliath, or the Titans, or... It's not David and Goliath. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's because he's, he's weedy. David's like Verstappen. this big, and Goliath is like some massive... Well, it's the master and the... T- t- what's it called? You master know, and the apprentice. Thank you. It's Alonso Schumacher. Yeah. It's Senna Prost. Yeah. Maybe they're a little bit closer in age and, and career. But anyway, my point being, I'm really starting to get the enjoyment out of Max being like, move over, old man. Yeah. And once again, going into that first corner... Okay, he wasn't that argumentative. We did it in Portugal after the safety car. That he's and, uh, elbows out. Yeah, he's not messing around. And we, it's been so long since we've seen Lewis Hamilton have to back out mm. of moves or have to be a bit wary or yeah. not being given the respect. Yeah, because Bottas has been so cautious. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Lewis. I'm so sorry, Toto. And uh, unfortunately, you know, since Rosberg disappeared, we haven't had one really argy-bargy fighting with Lewis, and and that is great. But for every argy-bargy moment, for every quick lap, for every exciting race we've got, the old man, <laughs> Yoda Hamilton, just seems to play it like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. oh, Do you know what the coolest thing Lewis Hamilton said in his post-race interview when they did the conference was, I learned a lot about Max Verstappen today and I learned a lot about that car. Oh. And then they went, care to elaborate? No. <laughs> but this is it the was thing, like, right? I like, sat behind that car for a second, uh, for a second behind that car for so long in that race. He was like, I've learned so much about uh, Max Verstappen's race craft and I've learned so much about how that car drives. I was like, uh, oh, I would no. be, yeah, yeah, I'd t- be quivering. Yeah. Max Verstappen in bed that <laughs> night going, so, what does he know? <laughs> so let's not fanboy too hard because people do get upset and there are lots of people who don't like Lewis Hamilton, his domination. I have to say, I for me... Uh, Mercedes won that race. Yes. I think Lewis delivered on what he needed to, but it was absolutely immense, tr- strategic, a strategic call from Mercedes. Yeah, there was the strategy side of it and also the tyre degradation side of it, which I do really like saying that word. <laughs> degradation. Um, but actually, Max Verstappen said after that race, if the, if the strategies were flipped and they were in different positions, Max didn't believe that car was capable yeah. of catching back up with Lewis. I think that's the point, right? Yeah, so it was in that first stint 
Red Bull could not understand how Mercedes could stay that close to the car without completely ruining the tyres in a dirty air. And then it was Lewis's um, sort of, I suppose, experience to say uh, we need to remove some of it or change front that wing. front wing. Take some front wing out, yeah. Which was the, the pointiness and also the tyre degradation as well. Um, so... Yeah, I think the Mercedes car was superior that weekend. And I know Christian Horner said that they were amazed at just how much of a fight they were able to put up. It shows how much they've come. Because obviously that car isn't suited to that circuit. So they were kind of happy with the result, even though it was P2 and they weren't happy with it. I think, you know, all of Max's interviews, he was a bit like, they were just quicker. Yeah, like, like, yeah. We, we he, were, was, he was literally a sitting duck. It was good that we were in the lead for a while, but, yeah. but fundamentally we weren't supposed to win that race. So yeah. they didn't seem that disappointed in comparison to uh, Bahrain at the start of the year. Yeah. So I think, you know, yeah, Mercedes, brilliant strategy. Lewis delivering what he needs to do if you say, look at Bottas 26 seconds mm. behind. Well, he couldn't even get past Leclerc. Couldn't get past Leclerc. Yeah. Couldn't even keep up with them. You know, Lewis yeah, and Max. Yeah, they just and drove off. That's the bit that I'm enjoying is that last year there was always the, you know, Formula B mm. or whatever it might be or the the other championship that goes on, which was post Red Bull and Mercedes. It's now Lewis and Max and everyone else. Yeah, yeah. They're in such another echelon. Yeah. And- Good word. Thank you. Uh, I want this to continue. I do worry- that we're already starting to see Mercedes and Lewis kind of go, we got this covered. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we we, we need Monaco, where Red Bull are very strong, yeah. famously. Yeah. And a few more races ahead for Red Bull to kind of assert a little bit of dominance, just to show some raw pace again, to put the sort of heebie-jeebies back into Mercedes. Well, I, I think it's just, it will just eventually level each other up because at the moment Max is getting so frustrating at the race weekend so they're going back how can we get faster how can we get faster there'll be a few races where Red Bull then get to that pace and Mercedes then start questioning how can we and and I think that is just going to elevate and all they're going to do is just drive off into the distance even the further away from the rest of the pack but that I think is what makes this double-headed fight so exciting that's exactly it and I think the thing with Mercedes we've seen over the last five or six years is give them a slightest slither of confidence and, and they run a mile. Yeah, they'll just smash the door down with a sledgehammer. Scare them and they fall apart. Mm. I mean, we have seen a few races where mechanically things go wrong or race direction or strategy goes wrong and they really panic and they mm. fluster. It's because so, they're not used to it. Because they're not used to it. And so Red Bull at the start of the year, I think did ruffle their, fle their feathers, but they're just now starting to go, we got that covered. Okay, mm. we got that covered. That yeah. happened and we covered it. That happened. And, we and I just personally as a fan... You know, off the line. I love Lewis. We fanboy mm. about Lewis too much. Yeah. But I was going, come on, Max. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Max. <laughs> because you just want to see that race. And I always, I don't really care who wins if someone goes out and wins it, even if it's someone I really don't like. Mm. If they've gone out and won the race, that's yeah. great to see. And, you know, you do not want to see Mercedes just kind of romp away with this now. So, yeah, Monaco, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm expecting Red Bull front row lockout. Yeah. Perez needs to deliver on that. I expect Max to be able to walk away with it because of how strong Red Bull have been there over the years. Imagine um, a McLaren in like uh, splitting second row. What follows? Um, oh, McLaren. Have McLaren performed in Monaco recently? Have they been all right? Don't know. You've got Danny Rick in the car. He doesn't mm. care what car he's driving. Do you know what was really interesting is, is Lewis actually said that about halfway through the first stint, based on how close he was to Max and how close he was able to stay, he knew for about half the race that it was going to be a two-stop, even though mm. everyone said the one-stop is the quickest way. Yeah. And he just said, he just waited for the call, yeah. Yeah. which is mad to think. 
normally brain capacity isn't yeah, it yeah yeah because you just think they're just driving trying to go as fast as possible but manage the tyres at the same time and kind of being told what to do on the rate and he's there driving around just following the back end of that red ball going yeah this will be a two stop <laughs> I'm sure the best drivers do that I mean yeah. and, we, and we see it and we hear about it a lot and this is what annoyed me about Tony so to come back to this right at the beginning of the podcast I said oh, Tony really annoyed me because the minute they did the strategic call mm. Tony got on the WhatsApp Oh, Lewis has won. Hamilton's got this. <laughs> He's amazing, isn't he? Like, wow. And I'm like, yeah, but the thing is, we just need to wait wait five laps because it depends on his pace. If he's only going to catch him in a second of lap, he's going to get there with two laps to go and it might not happen. If he's getting him two... Oh, no, no. No matter what, it's happening. So I was like, uh, I'd like to think that maybe Verstappen could hold on to it. Let's bet. And I'm like, chill out. <laughs> See, this is, I think, Tony's coming from a different sports mentality yeah. where he's used to seeing... A Manchester City in their dominance it doesn't matter if they go 2-0 down after 30 minutes you're pretty sure they're going to come back and win mm. in the same way I watch a lot of tennis when Roger Federer would go two sets down you could sit there comfortably and be like I'm pretty sure he'll take this to five sets and then win and I think it's this greatness that Lewis has I know we are fanboying but quite a lot and probably why Tony just assumes regardless of lap time regardless of tyres regardless He's just going to win. And he, and he did. He did. <laughs> I think it's that slight overcompensation for the driver. Mm. And what I said to him is that the thing is, what you've got to remember here, Merck have made that strategy yeah. call and the Merck is quicker. Yeah. That's the difference. Because he was like, the thing is, right, we know if it was the other way around, Max would not catch and pass <laughs> Lewis. And I said, if the pace advantage was, yes, he would, because we've seen that before. Swap we, the, just swap the drivers. Th that's Max still happening. Max is still going yeah, exactly. through. Exactly, that's what I mean. It was the Mercedes pace advantage because we've seen plenty of races before where Lewis has been a sitting duck yeah. to people with strategic. So that's what I was trying. So that's why he really annoyed me because he was on this like <laughs> he's like yeah, but Lewis is the best, isn't he? I was like, we all love Lewis, but you know, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. We, we can. We be also quite like to see the fight. Yeah, that's what I want to see. And I, you I was also, hopeful. You also don't want to know what the outcome is. Yeah, as a as a sporting member of the audience slightly not neutral. I didn't want to give in and say, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Lewis has got it. Even exactly. though we kind of thought even, it was yeah, ex Even though we kind of thought that was going to happen. So, you know what, as I say, a surprisingly exciting Spanish Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, it was a boring Portuguese Grand Prix, but we have learned our lesson and we will not, we will try not to skip future and races. also not do remote virtual. Yes. We will try and be here. We're going to try our best. I we mean, I, I'm you've looking got, at... You've got way less faith than I have. Because I know my calendar. <laughs> I, I have the list of races <laughs> and where I'm supposed to be when. And like there's some... Sam, which, cancel those plans. For example, Monaco. I don't know about you. I was supposed to be there. Yeah. Not going because hashtag quarantines, etc. But that would have been quite hard to do. <laughs> well, we could have done we, it together. If we were just both get there. a green screen here? The th Can way you imagine, like, you know, BBC News when they've just yeah. got Big Ben there? <laughs> just a green screen, and we can just Photoshop ourselves. Most of them we're going to be fine. Azerbaijan's going to be a hard one to do. Uh, we'll figure you? it out. We're going to figure it you? out. Uh, the next day is this Pirelli P0 experience at Silverstone. Oh. Mega, mega track day. Oh. I think there are still some spaces left. I talked about it in last week's main episode, if you want to check it out. P0experience.pirelli.com. Um, anyway, but no matter what, if we have to do it virtually... It's going to be with the proper mics, proper okay. connection, not the disaster. You're going to, hook, you're going to hook me up with a setup. There we go. 
but we're not going to skip tuned. a race. Even if nothing happens, we'll talk about nothing happening. A minute for the free mic. So subscribe now is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> if you're watching here on YouTube and you don't want to miss any more after the Checker Flag episode, subscribe, turn on notifications. Of course, main episodes of Behind the Glass continue with Tony. He's actually going to be here in an hour or two to record. Oh God, I'm going to get, yeah. get out of here. Get out of here, right? He's no. also going to find out about your lap time on the STG oh, hot I'm lap so, challenge. I'm so much faster. You're about five, six seconds faster. Than I him, beat so. him in those little cars. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, it's not a real car, is it?" Yeah. He's well, so I mean, competitive. slightly not. I mean, it's virtual. It's good virtual though. But it is as close as it's going to become. Which I will that I will then brag to him that because I've. I'm faster there. I'm now faster than him in real life. One million in every I will back car. you up on that. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I've got one thing that I want to say. Oh, because yeah. of... I was so excited about these predictions that we made on WhatsApp that I want to take it one step further. So I've got an idea... Please. ...to drop in that I think could be something quite exciting to follow throughout each... Ah. So, here's my plan. Ooh. We start with... 50 pounds sterling each. Oh, it's money. I tell you, I don't like money betting. No, no, no. But no, it's not money betting as in we're betting against each other. Right. Throughout the race calendar, we put little bets here and there and we're try, we try and make a profit out of predicting what's going to happen in the race. So there's so many different bets and I'm not promoting gambling in any way, shape or form. But if we both start at 50 pounds, you can put like a pound on Lewis to win and Sonoda to be first retiring. And then Can we can do go, this if Sky Bet come and sponsor us? Because <laughs> you just go up you can go up and down like one race weekend you might lose ten pounds. I think you've lost I'm, me. You've lost me. I would like to make predictions. Yeah. I'm not betting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unless I'm Sky Bet sponsors I'll, I'll do it then and I'll come onto the podcast <laughs> and be like, so guys, I'm £8.60 up this weekend because okay. Gasly... I'll live vicariously through you. Okay. But let's, right. That's my challenge. Next week, Monaco... No, two weeks time, Monaco Grand Prix. Our next After the Chicken Flag episode will be Monaco. Yeah. Let's get it in. Uh, first, second and third, Monaco. I'm going to say Max P1. Yeah. Lewis P2. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, or Lando P3. Oh, I'm saying exactly the same thing. Really? Yeah, I'm saying, that's so <laughs> annoying. I'm saying exactly the same thing. So yeah, you'll have to wait and see. Well, we'll have to wait and see. And join us in a couple of weeks' times for our Monaco Grand Prix review on After the Checker Flag, the F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. If you want to listen, keep on listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. If you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW on most social platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass. And if you want to sponsor it, Skybet. <laughs> Skybet. Get in touch and Paul's willing to spend all of his money. <laughs> no, no. Okay, catch up soon. Bye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 